You're listening to Commute, the podcast. Congratulations, you'll be smarter when you get there. What up? Welcome into Commute, the podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Jay. And we are about to take you on a deep dive on three topics that we find interesting, and we're betting that you might just find them interesting, too. We can promise you this, you'll be smarter when you get there. On this edition of Commute, why are eggs so expensive right now? Well, it's more complicated than you think. It's clear AI technology is growing pretty fast, and it's going to lead to some major shakeups across multiple industries. But is the technology breaking copyright laws to get there? Michael Jordan is as synonymous with Nike as anyone is with anything. So it makes it all the more interesting that he was about five minutes away from walking. Today we meet the man who saved Nike from a bad and expensive divorce. All of that on this edition of Commute. Let's get it. Jay, you and your wife have a great relationship, which I will publicly congratulate you on on the show. So, well done, Damn. my friend. I was, about, I was waiting for the butt, like it was going somewhere. <laughs> but every relationship, Jay, has its issues, obviously. I mean, we're not robots. There are things that we will just fundamentally disagree with our spouses or our significant others on. So what's something that comes up from time to time at the Sisson household that you all disagree about? Something I love to do, and I knew this was going to come up on the podcast eventually, because not only does my wife uh, hate this, but you also hate this, is that I love to drive somewhere with an open coffee cup with coffee in it, all right? And I'm I'm driving with one hand, and I'm drinking the coffee with the other it just feels right. My wife hates it. Well, I hate it too because it, it's <laughs> pointless. It makes no sense. You're begging for a mess. You you realize that the drink industry has evolved to now have cups with lids for this it's very just, reason. It's not the same. I can't explain it. Well, it's I'm, not the I'm same. with her all the way. It's important to point out that your wife also drives with an open coffee cup. Yeah, yeah. which is uh, something that you know you all have uh, you butt heads about. Yeah, well, we have a, a lot of issues about that as well. Now, for my <laughs> household, Jay, our issue is my wife's infatuation with a future where we own chickens. Okay, she frequently talks about this future scenario where we somehow have a ton of land, and part of that land is inhabited by perhaps the dirtiest of all animals, the chicken. I'm, I'm picturing it, though. I'm picturing you trying to wrangle one and, like, the talons coming out, and, like, I just, uh, I'm attached to this future now, too. I want it just as bad as she does. Well, well, here's the thing, okay. Unless recent trends start to reverse, I may actually have to rethink this stance. You see, as inflated prices are still hurting our bank accounts, the grocery store may stand alone as the worst offender. And to drill down further, a recent poll from Vox found that one item was far and away the price increase that bothered consumers the most. Jay, that item? Eggs. If you've been on social media lately, you've probably seen memes or jokes about it, but egg prices are exponentially, you get it, higher than just about ever. According to research from the firm Erner Berry, which follows the ebbs and flows of food market pricing, the average price of eggs was up to $5.46 a dozen at the end of 2022. 
Compare that to the average price of just 89 cents in 2020, and we've got something especially insane going on. Okay, I'll get, I got that out of my system. I won't do it again. Yeah, I drive with an open coffee cup, and it's, and it's like I've committed a war crime, <laughs> but you're out here saying exponentially. <laughs> Well, Jay, while eggs have become a major part of the current struggle with inflation, that's not the whole story. The question really isn't what came first, the chicken or the egg. It's now who's more to blame, the chicken or the egg. Well, Jay, as it turns out, the main reason that eggs will now make you poor is the bird flu, around for the worst go of it since 2015. According to Vox, as of the start of 2023, layers, which means chickens that, you know, lay the eggs, they were down from 328 million chickens to 308 million chickens. Typically, you need about one bird per person. Brian Moscaguri, a global trade strategist at Eggs Unlimited, told Vox. So we have, what, 331 million people in this country? You see right there, that's a huge shortfall. And so far, around 58 million birds have died from the bird flu, with many of them, Jay, obviously being layers. The good news here is that while eggs may be pricey, they still have at least been available at stores, unlike the fake toilet paper shortage during the pandemic. And man, I'll never forget watching people fight in Kroger over a four-pack of single-ply, single-ply, a.k.a. the same toilet paper that I bet you get in prison or a real shortage like that of computer chips needed for vehicles. Egg farmers are more nimble than ever, meaning egg production will eventually rebalance. When that'll happen, though, Jay, well, it may be a while. Eggs are just going to keep being expensive in the short term. Winter bird migrations will only spread the flu and not shorten it. So, Jay, you better really want that omelet if you're going to order it. But just think how good it'll taste in a year when it's only $3 instead of 30 Yeah, so this is great news because whenever I just make eggs at my house for my kids now and put them in front of them and they eat one bite of it, you know, it's just, it just feels like an even bigger waste of money. So, yeah, and I was told uh, as well that I didn't have to worry about bird flu anymore. So what's up with that? Yeah, I mean, we got bird flu, we've got swine flu, we've got mad cow disease. I mean, gosh. So Dave, you work in marketing, and I work in education, and uh, I think we both know that these are fields that are probably going to get affected by AI in different ways. Like, for example, I'm already seeing it at the school level. Uh, There's a program that I'm sure everybody's heard of called ChatGPT, which sort of like is an AI bot that can write out responses to things. And you can essentially ask it to write a paper on any subject that looks like a human wrote the paper, and you can even tell it to do it on a ninth grade reading level. So uh, it's kind of one of those things that students do know about, the cat's out of the bag. And um, I don't know how many submissions I'm getting that are robot or student at this point. I don't know, man. I mean, I don't really trust that level of technology. Like, I, I really don't trust robots. Like, I don't think that we should start making robots mainstream, and I feel like AI is the first step to all of a sudden robots are going to actually be living in our house with us. Like, have you ever seen iRobot? (laughs) At some point, they will turn. Like, they will figure out that they are stronger than us. They'll turn, they'll take us over, and we'll be their slaves. There will be some human slaves, and robots will be running the world. And it's because of the AI 
epidemic. <laughs> well, Dave, AI has been... Was that dramatic enough for <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, you quoted the plot of basically every sci-fi movie ever, so... <laughs> Well, Dave, AI has been in the news a lot lately, and it's mostly because of the rate at which it's expanding its capability, especially in the realm of creating art or written content like we were talking about. It's getting pretty clear that AI is rapidly developing to this point where you can quickly generate original articles, graphics, photos, or even songs or stories from AI. And while the technology it isn't perfect at this exact moment, it's clear that we're entering new territory here in terms of content creation, since the technology is advancing so rapidly, we're going to have to have conversations around the role of AI in the workforce maybe sooner than we thought. To actually build an AI art generator, though, an engineer has to train an algorithm by giving it access to a huge database of art and graphics. So by quickly analyzing all of this information, an AI can make designs derivative of human designs. But now the designers of AI are facing some important legal questions like did algorithms violate copyright law in doing this? And while courts don't necessarily have an answer to this question at this exact moment, they will soon. At the crest of the incoming legal tsunami around AI are two lawsuits. One, a class action lawsuit from artists in the U.S. and another from Getty Images in the U.K., that are arguing that AI essentially stole billions of original art designs from artists to use to create their original artwork. The three AI companies in question are Stability AI, Midjourney, and DeviantArt. The Joseph Savari law firm that represents the artist said this in a statement, AI images are not just an infringement of artists' rights, whether they aim to or not. These products will eliminate artists as a viable career path. Artists here, Dave, too, have a pretty important point. AI in all of this has been accused of copying certain artists' distinct styles, and some AI art has even failed to remove the watermark for Getty images, showing just how deeply these systems have pulled from already existing images. Stability AI responded by saying, quote, anyone that believes that this isn't fair does not understand the technology and misunderstands the law. But what is undeniable here, too, is that this is probably not the conclusion of something as much as it is the beginning of something, a legal battle that will inevitably rage for years, especially considering that there are some pretty monster corporations on both sides fighting for their own space in the economy. But as it stands right now, if an AI wants to use my art or my song or my film or whatever to build its concept of what these things are and then create from that, I am not legally entitled to anything for that. Now, the elephant in the room here, too, is that inevitable conversation around the replacement of human labor at the hands of AI. The further this technology progresses, the more likely it is that graphic designers, artists, content creators, article authors could all be replaced by it. According to Gizmodo, for example, the tech site CNET has actually been quietly publishing articles for months that were exclusively written by AI and minorly edited by humans before publishing. And Dave, while it's clear to us that art is just derivative by nature, I mean, all artists or musicians or creators would tell you that they're inspired by other art. If AI is doing the same, the legal question here is, are they breaking the law? 
These images aren't just inspiring AI like they would a human. Other people's work is literally built into the algorithm. And while questions like this aren't necessarily restricted to AI, I mean, the Supreme Court is set to make a ruling on a case against the Andy Warhol Foundation, for example, soon on whether or not Warhol violated copyright law when he painted a picture of Prince inspired from a photograph of Prince dealing with questions of fair use. The questions surrounding the idea of how much can you use intellectual property before you need permission could in a way force judges to be art critics deciding how similar two pieces of art are. Now, while some companies are already attempting to deal with this in a hands-on way, uh, for example, according to Thomas Germain at Gizmodo, Getty Images does not allow AI-generated art on its platform. Shuttershock will host AI-generated art, but will compensate the artists whose work contributed to the algorithm. And DeviantArt will allow artists to opt their art out of an AI art generator. But the questions here, Dave, they're just getting started. And what is true regardless here is that we're in for a years of sorting out how this new technology is going to impact our lives and economy. So I just went to chat GPT and I, uh, t- you can, you can ask questions and it'll help you know, sort through that. It'll give you an answer. So I said, can you help me get my friend to stop drinking coffee in an open container? <laughs> and chat GPT said, here are a few suggestions for how you can approach this situation with your friend. Number one, express your concerns. Okay. Let your friend know how the open container of coffee makes you feel. Number two, suggest alternative solutions. Offer your friend a travel mug or a closed container they could use instead. Number three, use I statements. Instead of accusing or blaming your friend, use I statements to express how the situation truly makes you feel. I feel uncomfortable with you doing this as an example. Number four, be respectful and and understanding. Remember that everyone has different habits and you may just not agree. Well, maybe you could ask chat GPT, like, how do I just let my friend live his life and stay out of his business and see how it would respond to that? (laughs) Jay, are you a shoe guy? I mean, I know almost everything there is to know about you, and I think I know the answer to this, but I'll let you prove me right or wrong. Uh, Not on my own merit. So I'm kind of like dependent on my wife to just sort of buy shoes for me. So I'll just kind of get a pair of shoes and I like them and I'll just keep wearing them all the days and they'll just start to fray and go bad. And You're just such an interesting person. <laughs> I mean, for somebody that has his life together, you're also a complete mess. It's just kind of one of those things I don't really think about. Like I'm like, well, yeah, I have shoes. Like, Yeah, uh, but you've admitted you before know. you don't really think about anything. <laughs> so I, I don't know how you function. But, but Jay, I am a shoe guy, as you know. Dress shoes, casual shoes, athletic shoes. I probably have twice as many shoes as my wife and three times as many shoes as I need. But I'll tell you who's really a shoe guy, the musician, the legend, the composer of the Commute theme song, and my very good friend, Jason Sammons. But not just any shoes for old Jace. No, 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 no. Jason is an Air Jordan shoe guy. Jason, like so many folks just like him, they love the art, the care, and the design elements of the Air Jordan shoe. Now currently on its 35th iteration, The Jordan brand has been a driving force in the sales power of Nike. Some estimates even say it's responsible for close to 60% of the overall Nike shoe sale totals. But Jay, today we discuss how that partnership almost ended on the third version of the Air Jordan. And had it not been for a talented rookie shoe designer, we'd know a much different Jordan brand shoe today if we knew one at all. 
Jay, in 1987, something strange was going on at Nike. Peter Moore, Nike's creative director and lead shoe designer, was stressed. Just a few weeks prior, Rob Strasser, an industry veteran and longtime Nike vice president and visionary, had resigned. Strasser, the man who had become a legend for signing Michael Jordan and saving Nike, was now going elsewhere, and Peter Moore was scared that Jordan might go with him. So Jay Moore, who had designed the first two successful versions of the Air Jordan shoe, was stuck on what to do for the third, especially knowing that Jordan's continued partnership at Nike potentially hung in the balance. So he called upon a 35-year-old designer named Tinker Hatfield Jr. to take a stab at it. Hatfield, talented but unseasoned, hadn't really designed many shoes before. Hatfield had risen at Nike because of his desire to think outside of the usual conservative design box that Nike lived in at that time. But talent's one thing, Jay. This was Michael Jordan. Jordan had originally come to Nike as a last resort. When he landed on the Chicago Bulls in 1984, he had actually preferred the idea of Adidas. But Adidas didn't really have any desire to sign another athlete. And so he reluctantly signed with Nike. But even after two successful shoe launches, the man who signed him was gone to a new startup company called Sports Inc. Adidas was ready to change its mind now, and Jay Jordan had options. So understanding all that meant that Hatfield needed to go to work on this last Hail Mary attempt. To start, he met with Jordan and decided to do what no one up to this point had done. Listen to what Jordan actually wanted. Hatfield also decided to try something else crazy. A sketch of Jordan dunking had been created but never used. Jay, that logo, the Jumpman Jordan logo, Hatfield loved it, and he decided to mock it up and try it out on the shoe pitch. On the day of the presentation, Hatfield flew to California to meet with Jordan and Jordan's parents. Jordan had been golfing, and Jay, would you guess who he was golfing with? Yeah, Peter Moore, the departed (laughs) Nike employee who originally signed him. Jordan was ready to sign at Sports Inc. with Moore, but he gave Hatfield a chance to shoot his shot. Hatfield opened by asking Jordan about that conversation they had had. Did he remember all of the suggestions that Jordan made? Hatfield then pulled out a sample. The Nike check was on the back instead of its usual placement on the side. It was a low top instead of a high top, just like Jordan had said he wanted. In front and center, Jay was the Jumpman Jordan logo. Jordan had never seen it actually used, just some concept art. Jordan grabbed the shoe, smiled, and re-signed with Nike. Hey, the customer is always right, man, especially if it's uh, Michael Jordan. You know, you just gotta <laughs> just gotta open up and listen to that guy. Yeah, yeah, and and Jay, that specific shoe, the the Air Jordan Three, is said to be responsible for much of the collecting culture that exists today for folks like Jason. You know, and come to think of it, I need to probably give Jason a call and make sure that he's not dipping into his kid's college fund uh, to try to fuel his his unhealthy Air Jordan shoe obsession, because I, I wouldn't put it past him, to be honest well, with Well, this is now two segments in which you've uh, failed to stay out of other people's business and let them live their own lives in the way that they Chat have. GPT, <laughs> how do I get my friend to stop buying shoes? 
So, Jay, before we get out of here, you actually have been uh, doing some guest spots on a podcast, and so you wanted to, to share about that a little bit. Yeah, so I'm uh, appearing weekly for about nine weeks on a podcast called Panda Vision. It's on a network called the Stranded Panda Network, and uh, we're covering the show on HBO called The Last of Us. I don't know if you've watched that yet. Um, or not, we haven't talked about not that. Not yet, playing too. Uh, but I played the video game of The Last of Us and was really excited for the series to come out. So uh, my buddy Matt Carroll has that podcast over there and they kind of cover shows as they come out. You know, like the night that they come out, they'll cover the show and recap it and stuff like that. So uh, we kind of hooked up on covering this show. And so I'll be over there for about nine weeks helping him kind of work through each episode of that so if you're watching that show if you like that show pop over there and check it out Pan Division so we will link to that show in the show notes of uh, all the episodes while you're on there yeah yeah sounds good and that's it thanks for listening don't forget to rate subscribe and review Commute on Apple Podcasts Spotify or on your favorite podcast network we're on social check us out on Facebook Twitter and Instagram and you can always say what up at our website commutethepodcast.com Music for Commute is provided by my main man and shoe guy, Jason Sammons. For Jason, and I'm Dave Traub. We'll see you next week. Number two, suggest alternate... Three, two, one. Number two, suggest alternate... 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 Number two, suggest alternative... <laughs> alternative... Alter... Why can't I say that word? Alternative... <laughs> Alternative solution. You got it this time. Number two, suggest... Al- <laughs> I can't say it. I can't say that word. Suggest... Uh, <laughs> I didn't say number two that time. I'm going to have to replace <laughs> you with an AI. I want an AI co-host oh, that can pronounce alternative. Jeez. I support that. <laughs> Three, two, one.